Thursday morning, I found myself glued to the news, not a typical way that I begin my mornings. As uh, Russia invaded the Ukraine, largest military operation in Europe since World War II, in addition to causing death and destruction as all wars do, the situation was particularly dangerous because uh, many seemed to think it had a potential to escalate beyond Eastern Europe. You know, there were concerns, the threat of nuclear war, which never really went away. All of a sudden, that problem was brought to the forefront again. And this whole post-Cold War international order seemed up in the air. It was a distressing situation, a concerning situation. But you know, we can't allow distressing and concerning situations to paralyze us with fear. But we need to turn to the wisdom that comes from divine revelation to help properly understand and to give us the courage to be not afraid. Our first reading is from Sirach, one of the wisdom books in the Old Testament. And this passage's theme is that one speech reveals the inner person. Just as the fruit of a tree shows how well or poorly it has been cared for, so too does our speech disclose our character. Now, of course, people can lie. People can deceive. They can't do that indefinitely. They can't do that forever. Eventually, their character will be revealed in their words. And then in our gospel, Jesus makes the same point only more explicitly. Right? Our gospel concludes when Jesus says, a good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good, but an evil person out of a store of evil produces evil. For from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, this point, like our first reading, is that corrupt language, corrupt speech, it's a sign of a corrupt heart. Now, uh, someone might object, hey, last week you were talking about how we can judge actions, but we can't judge uh, people. We can say adultery is gravely wrong, but we can't condemn the adulterer as unequivocally, unequivocally wicked. So why is Jesus now saying that we can know whether or not someone is good or evil based on their language. What's going on here? A couple of things. First, he's calling us to examine our own lives, our own hearts, our own speech and language. I mean, what characterizes my speech? Is it cynicism and bitterness? Is it mockery, hatred, dishonesty? Or is it faith, hope, and love? Is it truth, wisdom, goodness? In all honesty, I mean, I think most of us, it's probably somewhere in between. But Jesus is telling us so that we take the opportunity to repent, to seek to be converted, to seek uh, the purification and transformation of our hearts that only his grace uh, can, can offer us. So the first reason our Lord is saying this is that we examine our own lives. We examine, um, we pull the wooden beam out of our eye first before we attempt to diagnose and pull out the splinter in our brothers. Secondly, though, our Lord teaches us that corrupt language, it's a sign of a corrupt heart because we need to realize that we live in a fallen world 
a dangerous world, a world where there are bad actors. We can't judge the souls of those bad actors, that's true. But we can recognize them as untrustworthy and dangerous. You think of it this way, in Matthew 10, Jesus says to us, Behold, I am sending you like sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and simple as doves. It's not too different a message from what Jesus is saying here. We must have the shrewdness to realize that there are wolves in the world and dangerous ones at that. But we must also maintain the simplicity which refuses to allow the evil in the world to make us jaded and cynical, that refuses to allow the evil in this world to harden our hearts. For the simplicity of the dove recognizes that God is working out his purposes despite the presence of evil. This is the wisdom of divine revelation, which enables us to honestly assess the dangers, the distressing situations, the bad actors of this world, while still maintaining the simplicity that keeps our hearts from growing hardened and enables us to continue to believe, to persevere in the belief that all things work for the good for those who love God. And we see a very concrete example of this in our second reading, where St. Paul speaks about what is arguably the greatest of natural evils, death. And St. Paul reminds us that our hope is not merely that things go well in this passing world, but our hopes are based upon eternal life. And so he says, death is swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Since the fall of Adam, death has come for all. Rich or poor, famous or anonymous, good or evil, it didn't matter. All died and nobody came back from the grave. Nobody until Christ. By his cross and resurrection, he wins the victory over sin, death, and the devil. And he offers us a share in it, a share in that victory. What will that look like? Well, on the last day, Christ will destroy death forever. And there will be a new heaven and a new earth where the suffering and chaos of sin and evil are no more. On that last day, those who persevere in following our Lord will share bodily in the glory of the risen Christ in the new and eternal Jerusalem, where God will dwell with his people and he will make all things new. This is the hope that divine wis- the wisdom of divine revelation offers us. It's the same wisdom that enables us to honestly and realistically assess the fallenness of this world. It's the hope that tells us that we do not need to fear the evil of this world, including death. For Christ has won the victory, and thanks be to God, through him, he gives us a share in that victory. So let us not be afraid. Let us place our hope in the wisdom of God, which offers us eternal life.